When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males... Hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! All right, Matt, we are back with another original song question mark. This this is weird. This is this a is weird in one. so many ways. This track. I mean, I, I'm actually I'm very excited to talk about this song because it's it's really <laughs> so. So here's the note that I pull. I pulled a lot of stuff from the wiki page. The wiki page for Weird Al's albums is fantastic because yeah. his fans have taken the time to at least write two or three sentences about every single track yes. on every single song. Um, but what it says here is Buckingham Blues, the song we're discussing today, is a blues song satirizing the socialite life of the prince and princess of Wales, Prince Charles and Diana. Originally, it was going to be a parody of Jack and Diane by John Mellencamp. Worried about spoiling a Jack and Diane movie deal, Mellencamp shot down the parody. Uh, Yankovic considered tweaking the Jack and Diane melody to avoid the song being a true parody, but decided against it and later just rewrote it as an original song, which raises two questions for me. Question number one, does this mean that John Mellencamp was the first artist to ever decline a Weird Al parody? Yeah, as far as I can tell, he was. (laughs) And who would watch a Jack and Diane movie? I mean, you know what? What's interesting about that? That is a crazy example of how wildly popular John Mellencamp was (laughs) at this moment. Like, that is now hilarious to think about. There is... I, I, I... went through a, I'm like a major fan of the office. Yeah. And I just literally thought of there's a, a throwaway random joke that Kevin says talking about gambling. Cause he's a gambling addict. And he yeah. says, you always take, if anyone ever offers you 10,000 to one odds, you have to take it. And then he says, if John Mellencamp ever wins an Oscar, I'll be a very rich man. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that, that was the one shot we could have had with the well, Jack and Diane movie. Maybe it'll still happen. I don't know. Who knows? It could be in development right now. We do have to go on a bit of a tangent about Jack and Diane because I also need to, I want to put this out there. We're definitely going to make fun of John Mellencamp for a little bit, but let's do it. John Mellencamp <laughs> kind of rules. He has so many good hit songs, like, and he is going to be far more successful than you and I can ever dream his entire oh, life. Oh, without so, a doubt. So this is, we're punching up here. We're okay. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I was going to say, I have played in, um, you know, over the years I've done like wedding band type gigs and cover band type stuff. And I've played, God, I've learned how to play and performed probably like five or six Mellencamp songs over the years. And they are very fun to play. They're I have songs. actually nothing, uh, you know, for a long time, I'll be honest. And again, punching up, I thought that John Mellencamp was like a discount Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Still not totally wrong like the, the, do the dollar store bruce springsteen <laughs> but he does have his own kind and, and he probably started that way let's be honest but he's got his own thing and he seems like i looked into him a little bit he seems like a nice enough dude john mellencamp was part of my absolute favorite mtv <laughs> giveaway in history are you familiar with the i'm the pink, not the pink houses giveaway <laughs> oh god no i'm not the concept of the the thing was that you entered in for a chance to win a pink house in John Mellencamp's hometown, and he would play a concert in said house. <laughs> so, so it you was, actually win a house? Yeah, you won a house. The concept was buy a house in Mellencamp's hometown of Bloomington, Indiana, and then they gave it away to a fan on the condition that they would paint it pink after the 1983 hit Pink Houses. It was the first house MTV purchased for a give. The first house that MTV purchased was next to a toxic waste dump, and they were forced to have to buy another. Oh my god! <laughs> the first That's... house stayed on the network's books until about 1992, when they were finally able to write it off. Wow! Oh my god! That's incredible. Yeah, but I will say you can find the footage of the concert, and it is. Very charming to watch John Mellencamp literally play a house show the way any kid in a punk band in 1993 or whatever played a show. Like it is them in the living room with this girl and like her 10 friends. And beforehand, they had like a big barbecue as a tailgate party before he showed up and like he rides in on his motorcycle and shit. It's wild if you can That's find incredible. the video footage of it. But it is, it's such a goofy 1983 contest <laughs> just immediately all i'm thinking about is it's like there has to be some sort of like insane tax problems with that like you giving someone a house like how do they it's it's happened someone before. wins a house in a city that they don't live in people have won houses i know that there was a contest to win the simpsons house and it was in like a random springfield and they had designed a house that looked exactly like the simpsons house and it was like you won it. You were stuck with having to pay the taxes on it until you sold it. And it was impractical to live there. And then WWE gave away a house for the first <laughs> in your house pay-per-view. And I think it was wow. like a 12 year old won it. I, the only equivalent thing I can think of, I remember this thing like Oprah Winfrey at one of her shows gave everyone in the audience a car. Yeah. And everyone was super excited. But then like on the way out the door, it was like, oh, by the way, you have to pay taxes on this car. <laughs> and these people in the audience are suddenly like, I have to pay thousands of dollars. <laughs> like it's way cheaper than the car. Yeah. But I still have to pay a lot of money. It was like a, I don't, just a bizarre, like it's misguided so attempt at a gift. Yeah. Wow. 100%. But what I was going to get at through all of that is Jack and Diane is a really good song. Yes. It's a, it's a very good song. I love that it's had this resurgence in the world of TikTok. 
uh, where mm. the whole internet has focused on the lyrics sucking on a chili dog and like yes. how insane of a way to describe eating a chili dog. The, the, uh, the, the, fr- the sentence sucking on chili dogs down at the tasty freeze <laughs> is now uh, anyone born after the year 2000 is going to have like that is like a foreign language. Yes. None of that makes any sense. But they'll know it because of TikTok. They'll exactly. Know. My, bro- my favorite one my brother sent me was it was just a line chart. And it was my confidence that John Mellencamp has had a chili dog before. And it was just the song playing and the line was going up until he got to the word sucking on and then it just plummets back to the ground. (laughs) (laughs) But I did something very weird uh, in keeping with the tone of this show. But I pulled up the lyrics to Buckingham Blues the other day and I found an instrumental karaoke track of Jack and Diane. And I sang the lyrics to the rhythm and it fits perfect. You you have to remove all the Buckingham Blues choruses. Yeah. But if you're just working with the verses, he didn't change one lyric from wow. that parody, I think. That's amazing. Because I was just going to ask you, and my understanding is I don't think there is a version. It's not like there's is a lost track. There's no original version of Buckingham Blues out there that does have the, the Jack and Diane track. Chuck and Diane, couple British kids from a palace in Buckingham. Chucky wants to grow up and be a polo star, and ride his little horses round in the backyard. Oh yeah. Now Chucky goes on, leaves Dinah all alone. So she fixes her hair and talks on the princess phone. Chucky's still trying to figure out what his job's gonna be. And Diane's the fashion leader of the Atrocracy. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, no, this is still 100% the words that he wrote That's for that so Jack crazy. and Diane parody. It has yeah. to be. It has to be. And you know what? This is another fascinating sort of precedent for Al. So let's assume, because I don't know of any other example, let's assume this is the first person to turn him down. Yeah. As you just pointed out, and he knew, and he's talked about this a lot over the years, this is also the first time that he must have come to the realization that he doesn't want to try to sneakily do something that the original artist doesn't want. He, I think he's only ever done that once, and we'll get into that in like about, I think it's Alpalooza. Yeah, has a song that definitely feels like he got exhausted with an artist saying no yes. as many times as the artist said. No. It, was, no. it was, yeah, exactly, exactly <laughs> like, that. Yeah. And even that, he's skirting around it a little bit. I know the song you're talking yeah. about. He made a conscious decision of like, you know, he could. He also technically, if he wanted to, with parody, he can just do it anyway and give them all of the royalties for the track and just say it's like, you know, he's like gifting not it his. It's yeah, theirs. It's, it's a cover. Yeah. It's essentially um, with with different lyrics. Um, but he chose not to do that, and that's a huge part as well of why he has maintained such good will in the music industry is that he doesn't, like, he's not trying to mess with anybody. He's not trying to hurt anybody's feelings or take advantage of anyone's 
you know, intellectual property or art or whatever you want to call it. So super interesting that this is the, you know, the first example of that. And he really kind of, again, with one arguable exception, he generally held to it. And, um, you know, if someone doesn't want their song parodied, he'll, he backs down. Yeah. I don't think we'll have a lot of these, right? Mm -hmm. But I think this is one of the, the only songs I can think of from Weird Al where the lyrics genuinely do not age well. Oof. No, they don't. Because it is kind of mean spirited. It's, it's it is actually mean. It's and it's true. And the fact that so much of the meanness is more directed at Princess Diana, like now in twenty twenty two, like knowing what we know about her life and like all the great things that she was doing behind the scenes. It's like, I, man, yeah. he's really going at Princess Diana. I was gonna song. say a total coincidence, but I just watched that movie Spencer. Yeah. That came out last year. That's all about Princess Diana. I enjoyed it a lot. But yeah, you watch that, you learn about her story, and then you read these lyrics and you're just like, ooh, man. Like <laughs> Meanwhile, in New Jersey. So Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Yes. This is a, it's a hot take, Al. I don't know about this. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> talked about how he doesn't play a lot of these live anymore, and I, I yeah. can understand why this one maybe is. He has played it live, though. If you go on YouTube, you can find a live version that, that was recorded for, uh, I guess he had like a digital-only live album or something that I've never heard of until I was on YouTube looking. But you has he done it live since she died? Oh, probably not. I, I think was it was. Say, a, I can't imagine that that would have happened. No, I, I don't think he really. I think this was like a recording from like '84. You know what there I mean? Like, go. I feel yeah, like yeah. once you've got, I would say by the time you're at Dare to Be Stupid, most of these originals are already out of the set. They, they've been removed from rotation. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure, for sure. The the lyrics are really. I mean, the lyrics are actually almost uncomfortable now. <laughs> I do think that. The lyrics are step up from got a boogie, which really was was a single joke. But well, they're, man, they're a step up because they exist. Yeah, they there are words. <laughs> um, but the music yeah. is the it's not the best musically done song in the world. But I do love just listen to a good ass blues guitar riff. Just go. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's satisfying in that sense. It is definitely by design musically this hits a sort of generic point. That's the whole idea is it's the, he's just doing this like rock blues, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan kind of thing. And it's very effective in that respect, but it's, it's, I mean, you could argue that this is a style parody, maybe not of a particular artist, but this is a more clear cut. Like you can see what he's doing here of just grabbing this 12 bar blues structure and, inserting Jack and Diane lyrics yeah. into it. I mean, I think that, that that would be the way that I would explain this album to people is like, you know, with with something like Dare to be Stupid, you have a very clear cut this is a this is a style parody of Devo. You yeah. only get one of those on this album. And it's like, next week we'll talk about the one song that is a style parody of a specific artist. Mm-hmm. The rest of these I would say they are genre parodies. Like Got a yeah. Boogie yeah, is yeah, a, that's a disco fair way to parody. It. Like this is yeah. a blues parody. Then we've got two other we'll, we'll get it 
I I I genuinely think that for the most part, there's a few exceptions, but I feel like the originals just get progressively better as you work through the album. Mm. I think that these first two don't really show the full level of like what a Weird Al original can be. Agreed. They're very they're staying very close to like this is our blues song, so it's just kind of bluesy. And then yeah, there is this. You know, we were talking about the the hand farts last week in in yes. I Love Rocky Road. You hit this weird twist when you get to side B of the record, where it's just like, let's just put those everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there was definitely like a moment early on where they were like, I you can get the sense of like they knew the songs lyrically were funny and musically they were like, should the music be funny? Is this yeah. funny? Is the hand farts funny? Should we have that on everything just so it's clear <laughs> that we're being funny? And I'm I was glad in the grand scheme of his career when he let that go yeah but on this record it is i i generally find it mostly endearing only because it is so unique to this early time period of his no it's trying i think that that's the big thing is like the people who want to immediately kind of write this off as his worst album which again i i will say it is not his worst album it's definitely not his best i don't think either one of us is going to have this as our number one no but there is there is that child innocence of again to go back to like our punk rock roots a little bit like is kerplunk or 1039 smooth out slappy hours the best green day records no but there is such a charm of like this is just some 16 year old kids just going all the way with it it's so true (laughs) records that are made like that have just this energy to it that is really not you can't fake no it's what gets lost in translation when like streetlight manifesto decides to re-record keys be nights and like from yeah. a musical proficiency level like that streetlight manifesto album is a better musical performance but there's something missing in the rawness of that sh- that catch 22 release totally totally yeah like there there is something that can't it's i mean it's the star wars effect too you know and like yeah you lose something when you lose seeing the strings attached to everything it's so true I remember hearing years ago, I don't know if they still do this or if it was just a moment in time, but the band No Effects, when they went into the studio to record stuff, made a point to not, like, they did, like, two takes of a song, like, live together, and that was it. Yeah. Because they were, you know, not to, like, I guess toot their own horn too much, but it was like, they got so good as a band that they didn't like the sound of it anymore, and they needed to go in less rehearsed so that it had that frantic, chaotic energy that they really wanted. Yeah. And that's how hard it is to fake. You actually get to a point where you you lose that sort of, um, I don't know, your your instinct, yeah. I guess, gets overtaken by your, uh, your skills, if that makes sense. There is such an interesting way also where it's like you can be super musically talented and, and make sloppy decisions that are really cool and interesting so yeah you know i produce a couple different music podcasts at this point and one of them is my my uncle's band um they're like one of philly's top cover bands and we do a podcast once a month where they'll share stories of like crazy venues that they've played at or like nice bad wedding gigs and stuff like that but they'll also pick a song that they do and do like a deep dive of like all of their personal histories with that song and like how how they because my uncle does a lot of the transposition so like they have a full horn section so like mm. if it's a song that doesn't have horns my uncle's the one that sits there and tries to figure out what the horn parts need to be and like okay we're going to do this guitar part as the horn part and stuff like that but they got into a conversation about the song Black Dog by Led Zeppelin mm. and like yeah. I'm not even like the world's biggest Zeppelin fan but I love that song and they were talking yeah. about how 
And it was something that me not being a musician ever thought about, but how weird the time is on that yes. track because it's like the da 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 like the kick into that guitar riff is completely off the four count. It's totally arbitrary, it seems like. There's no, um, on some of them, you get a single Bonham like click, click. of the sticks, yeah. and it's like, but to try to play along to that recording, or even as a band, to try to figure out how to do those the way that they did, you have to kind of come up with your own mental clock on how to play it, because, yeah, it makes no, it, they probably, I don't know, because I'm not a huge Zeppelin uh, aficionado either but I learned that song that was my bass teacher who got mad at me for playing Thelma Houston <laughs> he made me learn how to play Black Dog and uh, was like try to play along to this and figure out how to hit those you know how to time those hits and they probably just were looking at each other in the studio and just doing that like uh, now nah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah a nod to go into it but I think that that's another yeah. one of those things where it's like it is musically proficient but it's also got that charming sloppiness where it's exactly. like that's exactly. like kind of that's when those artists, even if you are like Zeppelin, who's considered one of the greatest bands of all time, there's still yeah. that element that's like this this sounds like kids just fooling around not knowing how you're supposed to keep in like a four four time. But it's yeah. so brilliant at the same time. Like it's totally it's very weird. We got way off track on this a little bit. <laughs> uh, let me just land on this final question because there isn't a ton that we want to dive into lyrically with Buckingham Blues. Sure. But what what are your thoughts on blues music? You know, it's not my favorite. No. It, <laughs> it's not my favorite. I actually I really enjoy early blues. I like a lot of the early blues recordings like Robert Johnson and Sunhouse and like Blind Willie McTell and all that, like very early rootsy, like the the roots of rock and roll starting there. Yeah. I don't love white guy blues. Yes. Which is what this is. Eric Clapton. I was going to um, say, Eric Clapton's the biggest strike, I feel like. Eric yeah. It, it's just something about it always kind of feels false to me. And I just don't, it feels empty and just, I don't know. I don't get, blues is supposed to be all about the soul and I never feel that. No, I agree. Um, I It feels like it's going through the motions a little bit. And this, again, I would say in terms of the parody by design, musically, this feels like it is going through those motions. That's what it is. It's like hitting a formula and we're just going to go through them. And the formula is space for the lyric. And that's it. That's what yeah. you get. I did get to experience walking down Bourbon Street one time where you've got oh, like, yeah? a bunch of people just out there with their guitars. Yeah. And that, it's like, I love that. Like, I like, oh, yeah. I enjoy seeing if I go to like a, a bar or whatever and there's a blues band playing live, I'll have a good time. Sure. You are never going to find me popping on a blues record like, oh, I need some music today. Like It's yeah. just not going to happen. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think the, the the only blues album I own is Simpsons Sing the Blues, and that's about, <laughs> as, <laughs> that's about as bluesy as I get. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I was going to say like in the blues rock world, I'm a big fan of like, it has to have something unique. Like I love ZZ Top, who yes. I think generally get considered a blues rock band, especially their early, you know, not give me all your loving but earlier than that but they had such a unique spin like they sound like their own band nobody really sounds like that now zz's early zz top rules oh like my that God. is those, those early zz top records are incredible like i remember my dad had the zz top greatest hits and i would listen mm. to it in the car and like yeah you know there's give me all your loving and sharp dressed man and legs and like they're all yeah. right songs but yeah, when I heard La Grande for the first time, or when I heard even like Cheap Sunglasses, I was like, Just got what paid. is this? Yeah, like even oh Tush, God. Tush, yeah. like, uh, yeah, like those songs, it's just like these are so good. And again, talk, we were talking about this with Al's band, but like, talk about a group that was like, it was these three guys. 
Mm-hmm. And as soon as one of them died, like there isn't as easy top anymore. Like you're not yeah. going to keep going forward with that band now that Dusty's gone. Like it's just not going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. No, that's it's just a, a a different thing entirely. And it's funny. I was I just was going to say like so this is like <laughs> I was going to say this song is Weird Al's version of generic blues, but then I just remembered he has a song called Generic Blues yes. <laughs> that we're going to get to later. He so he actually kind of dips blues. into this well. Yeah, he dips into this well more than once. You know, it's funny. Maybe that is I could be reading into it wrong. But this song, we were talking about how the lyrics are kind of mean, which is really odd for him. And even musically, for some reason, and maybe this is my own bias about blues music coming through, I feel like he's making fun of the whole thing a little bit. Oh, for I, I, feel, like again, I feel like he's mocking the blues rock structure in the same way that he's mocking <laughs> Princess Diana in this song. And the whole thing feels up like combative we've talked before about how this record is kind of like the young punk rock i hate everything attitude and this does clock for that very very well this is a angry song i'm positive that you could go and find a british punk band from 1983 writing lyrics that are as mean if not meaner without a doubt about charles and diana like i don't think like that was just like you said that was the punk rock ethos anything that was part of the elite was evil period yeah and and at the time this came out this is really like in hindsight you know at the time this was not even that this was not a hot take on his part this was like they were mocked and they were made fun of and it was like a oh yes these poor incredibly rich people isn't that so sad for them and now many years later we can look back and be like oh actually it's probably not a great situation yeah, it's, it's over actually there. It's a very sad story of... It ex- exactly, <laughs> like, exactly. You know, it's not like he was being abnormally rude or nasty to these people. There certainly were plenty of other people taking shots at that time. But but yeah, no, it's both musically and lyrically. This is like, this is some angsty uh, punk rock attitude going on across 100%. the board here. All right, so the big question, let's see if we diverge here once again. Mm. Where are you putting Buckingham Blues... Uh, compared to Gotta Boogie. Yeah, so I think we probably will, because I will rank Gotta Boogie above this. Yeah, and I'm going to... I mean, these are two pretty bottom-of-the-barrel original songs, in my opinion, but I, yeah. I do give Buckingham Blues a slight edge, just because just the whole everything about it is so weird. It is so clear that he just took the lyrics to a parody that he had written and turned it into a blues song. <laughs> I mean, it, for that alone, it's a super interesting thing. I think I'm I'm... Got a bo- they're both weird in different ways. I like that Got a Boogie is unique in its own way for all those things. And this song is just like a, I've, it, again, like I said, I'm going to use the word generic. It feels very generic by design, which makes it harder for me to get excited about than Got a Boogie, which at least I listen to that. And I think like in the grand scheme of Al's catalog, there's not, that really stands alone. Yeah. That's a very unique track. No, I think so. I think next week we will both be in agreement. however. I, I think you might be right. <laughs> and then we'll be back next week. <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Meanwhile, in New Jersey... So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze? My gaze at the males. Hi-oh! Hi-oh! 
From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 